You thought you'd gotten rid of us, didn't you? But you were wrong, old Bean. Because we're back with a vengeance. From studios in Hollywood, California, rural southern Indiana, and the hinterlands of North Dakota, this is the Live, Laugh, Golf Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Desert Duffer, OTB Lefty, and Jay Score. Welcome back to the big show. DD here. Every time I say DD or hear DD, I think of DD Myers, who was the press secretary for Bill Clinton back in a long time ago. This was like, press secretary seemed like it was a good job. It was a good, like, cool thing to do. Before the last two administrations, that seemed like a really good gig, you know? It's been a little bit dicey since then. But Dee Dee Myers, you know, she was like, I think she was the inspiration for Allison Janney's character in The West Wing. She was smart, young, personable. Anyway, Dee Dee here. OTP, you're here too. How's it going? Yeah, I am, and in much less obscure fashion, um, <laughs> just in the same place doing the same thing, looking forward to talking golf with my pals. Let's go. We've got a lot of golf. So much golf today. We're going to talk all the golfs from all the tours, all of the golf. J-Score, you ready for it? Uh, I'm ready. I'm still a little bit lost in your references. Um, <laughs> they did not land with me. I'm sure they landed with some. Uh, she was listeners. she was a young woman who was the press secretary. She did the press briefings uh, at the beginning of the day. I don't know how frequently they did them back then. This was in the early '90s. William Jefferson Clinton, was young, exciting new president. You know, Look, she was. I'll take your word for it. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm feeling really good though. Uh, this weekend the weather was wonderful. There's literally maybe one weekend left of this, I would think, before things turn uh, ugly here up north. So enjoying every minute of it outside and ready to talk some golf with you boys. Good. Glad to hear it. I'm still having electrical problems. I'm not going to bore you with that stuff. We'll get through it. But there was a tournament in Bangkok. It was great timing. Loved it here on the West Coast. This stuff started at 8 o'clock. 10 Central. 10 p.m. Yeah, Central. Yeah. It was 8 o'clock the first two nights West Coast time, and then they started earlier on Saturday night because of a threat of rain, which did ultimately materialize. But it was great timing for me. I was able to see almost all of it. Gino Eugenio Lopez Chacara is your victor, 22-year-old Oklahoma State. OTP, you're a big fan. You love these guys who come out and play live. Absolutely. Got the opportunity out of college as a highly ranked amateur. Was in the top three. Gets yeah, number, money number to get yeah, gets money to get started, gets status to play somewhere with big time competition, see the world even more than he already has, and then comes out and in his fifth start, he's your winner. Three nights in Bangkok made a lot of people humble. <laughs> so he he finished at 19 under. We'll talk about the birdies and bogeys as they were in a little bit. But I think the fact I think the big story is both what happened on the PGA tour this weekend in a minor event and in this live event over in Asia, we had super young winners. And there's been so much talk about whether these guys are making the right decision. And shockingly, even when it appears, and it in fact happened, that this 22-year-old won $4.75 million in the midst of this, prior to the third round of the tournament, we had some of these golf media personalities, Jamie Weir, wondering whether after winning this money, maybe he'd walk away and try to get back on the PGA Tour. People, are, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills when I read and hear what these journalists have to say. 
He's gotten every, this is exactly what he wanted to happen. Why would he be leaving now? The money train has just arrived. It's got so many more stations. Yeah, it's incredible. I, why wouldn't you want people to, as a professional, the goal is to make money doing it. So why wouldn't you make the most money you could? It's the, the outrage. It, it just, so it's, it feels very, I wouldn't have done it that way, but the reality is it wasn't an option for you when you could have. And if you could have at the time, you certainly would have given it some thought and wouldn't have been disparaging it the way you are uh, today. Maybe you would, I suppose, but (laughs) really. Just don't equivocate. J-Score, tell us what you really think. OTP, one of the things that jumped out at me with these two young guys winning is how quickly it can all go away. This guy grabbed it when it was in front of him, and it's paying off. He could have a severe injury. He could just lose his game tomorrow, but he's got $4.75 million. What made me think of it was, and we'll talk about the LPGA in a little bit, but there's a a player on the LPGA that I'm a big fan of. She's a Thai player, as it goes. Her name's Patty Tavitanikit, and she won a major championship last year. She won the Dinosaur in the desert here in Southern California. She's a major champion. She's only 22 years old. She was continuing to ride that wave so far this year until May when suddenly she's lost her game. She's made one cut in her last nine tournaments. Who knows what's going on in her life? Who knows what's going to happen in the future? But right now, she hasn't made any money in the last three, four months. So how can you fault these young guys who, when it's put in front of them, take the opportunity that's presented. I can't. No, I don't you're think, sad. I don't, yeah, I don't think you can either. Something else, just a gross failing of the tour over the last 30 years, let's just pick a big number, where folks are world beaters as amateurs and do not have a clear path to the tour. They don't use the NCAA system or the world amateur system as a true farm system for the PGA Tour. There's no such thing as the number one draft pick. The number one player on the Corn Ferry Tour, I almost guarantee no one has heard of. But they don't do anything to raise anyone's level or raise anyone's status, get them out there. They mention that those folks can get unlimited sponsors exemptions, you know, after they turn pro. But they turn pro after they graduate in the middle of a season. It's very inconvenient. It's foolish. It's bad marketing. It does. It certainly doesn't benefit the players. And honestly, it doesn't benefit the tour to not get these folks channeled right into the golf zeitgeist or whatever you want to call it, because during that part of the season, it's majors and nothing else. So if there were a hot new young player that they could tout, that they could put some energy behind, that would be great for everyone. Yeah. They don't do that. I mean, they're missing out right here, right? I mean, they don't have Chikara on the PGA Tour. And here's the thing. They wouldn't have him anyway. And that's one of the things he talked about. He was like, look, I'm only – I was guaranteed like six starts on the Corn Ferry Tour. But I hear people on other podcasts talking about, well, this isn't fair. You know, this guy got in there and, he, you know, obviously he played well this week. But did he even deserve to be there? Well, it's his fifth tournament. <laughs> He won his fifth tournament against some of the best players in the world. There are guys who are coming out of high school. I won't name any names, Akshay Batia, 
who got a full complement of sponsors' exemptions and was able to get on the Cornberry Tour because he made one single top 10. You can be one of these guys, and if Callaway's got your back, you get sponsors' exemptions, and two top 10s get you a tour card. How can you begrudge this kid who literally won his fifth event? It's super dumb. Like, it doesn't make any sense to take something away from someone who took every advantage that they could, and then when they got a chance... They delivered on it. Yeah. Like, so I got, I got one thing. I got one thing. Go. The putter, the putter, the split grip putter. Wait, the, I the, can't the, believe you've you've only got one thing because he looked like an absolute hot mess this week. I mean, he well, was he was a disaster. I think we can forgive him for that. I mean, wait, why are know, we NCAA forgiving? He's not doing him any favors. I mean, the guy he he got a signing bonus, right? He's he's doing okay financially. He could afford some clothes. I don't think he needed to wear. I suspect he was probably doing some kind of homage to Tiger and his Sunday red by wearing that Oklahoma State jersey For sure. on Sunday. But he looked ridiculous. He's wearing dark socks. I mean, I, I'm sure you had something to say about his socks, JT. Absolutely. The socks around the tour, this we don't want to just beat a dead horse. We, you know, we can't we can't say a certain 60-year-old meaningless senior golfer's name for a while. I don't want to just talk about the the abhorrent socks over and over, but we need to have a company-wide meeting and talk about what kinds of shoes go I with what kinds of socks. We need to point out we're not in the company. They need to have a company-wide What, what colors should we ever decide to go out and play golf together in any kind of corporate event, there will be guidelines issued from the top, from above six feet, one inch, about sock usage and how to do it. I'm going to so wear some flashy foot. socks just for you, JT. I, I, I assure you that. He looked tough. The split putter is tough. But he that has been, from my understanding, the weakness in his game. And clearly, he overcame it this week. 19, that's the other thing. 19 under, people are like, oh, well, is this course easy? Yeah. I mean, it, it seemed like it was yeah. probably pretty easy, as was, the, nice. as was the course that the PGA Tour played on this week. Sometimes they play easy courses. But it's a new course. The trees aren't mature. But 19 under in 54 holes, I don't care who you are. Yeah, par's irrelevant. Par's always been irrelevant. He played he played significantly better than the field for pretty much the whole tournament. God, so uh, he played so well. He shot 19 under. He shot at 69 in the final round. Patrick Reed made a play, but ultimately it was former Masters champion who faltered. Chikara made every big putt. I mean, he ha- he had to have four 12-footers for par on Sunday that just kept him in it. And he, you know, if you don't think I want to, we should mention pressure. I, I don't want to let this slip away. You want to talk about pressure and whether or not these guys care about what's going on out there. Richard Bland tied for third at 15 under. He had a putt on the 18th hole that was, they, I mean, they were ready to close down the broadcast on YouTube and they had to show Blandy finishing out two and a half, three feet on 18 to finish the week. At 16 under in a tie for second with Patrick Reed, he missed that bad boy. Cost himself like 635 grand. Ooh. 635 grand. And I don't even think Arlo White and the broadcasters really picked up on it. it was, wow, I can't believe he missed that. Oh, yeah, guys, fellas, that's that's a $635,000 putt. Yeah, I find that stuff entertaining. And I, I've always wondered why on the broadcast they don't make it more about that and talk about that more with the commentary because yeah. it, it's clearly a big talking point in in the media and in the fan base so why not continue to push it during the broadcast too you know it's a tough question because people like you and people like me 
think it's interesting. It makes it more interesting. It's the same reason we like watching the World Series of Poker, right? When there's a yeah. massive first prize. We like it. A bunch of people, or maybe not that big of a bunch of people, but some people on Twitter are turned off by it. Some people don't want to hear about the money. I heard today, you know, when I'm watching an NBA game or an NFL game, they're never talking about how much Tom Brady is going to win if he wins the game. Okay, that's that's true, but this is a different thing. It's an individual sport. They're playing for money. I mean, only one guy is going to win, yet we have on the PGA Tour, there's still 75 guys out there going through the motions a few miles to play 72 holes. Like The money matters. So I think they're probably trying to walk the fine line between people who are turned off by it and people who like it. I, I propose one little add-on to the screen. This putt is for blank. Yep, just a little pop-up. A pretty easy case. fix. I mean, they absolutely put the score, the inning, and the pitch count on the screen during a baseball game. It's completely reasonable. If they've got the length through sh- the length of the putt through shot length, they should definitely say what it is. They could give us they can give us those bullcrap FedEx points at a moment's notice, and they have a special dude over in a studio a hundred miles away, supposedly watching the tote board to let you know what happens if Bobby Jenkins makes a four footer for double on thirteen. Yeah, so, so they can at least get that going. Well, money was exchanged, money was blown, money was won. Chakar won individually four million dollars. Patrick Reed won $2.125 million for the solo second. That would have been less if Blandy had made his putt. Blandy did end up tying with Paul Casey and Siwon Kim. Everyone excited to see Siwon in the tie for third. They each made $1.175 million. So good weeks for them. Other guys that stand out to me on the leaderboard, somebody that I've been rooting for, Charles Howell III. Yeah. 602,500 finished in a tie for eighth. Yeah, he was pretty instrumental in the uh, the Crushers uh, I gotta, GC making the podium. You know, it sounds like I don't know what's going I have all this information in front of me. I got a gripe with the live people. The way they're presenting this information in terms of who finished where, it's lousy for somebody like us, right? We're trying to figure out where they finished in the actual golf tournament. Did you tie for fifth? Did you tie for eighth? They give us the points and the money, and they've got these weird tiebreakers, and so you don't know where somebody is. So I look up. I can see Charles Howell made $602,500, but I, they, they have him as eighth. Brooks Kepka is ninth, and they had the same score. So come on, guys. Like You got to do ties. Split up the points just like you split up the money. Clearly, they have a, they have a rule there. Because right, well, he, shows up, he shows up clearly as eighth on my board. Yeah, well, what's your board? Your board is like ESPN or something. You're, you're going somewhere no, else. No, it's not. Well, I've got listen. I've got four different things. I've got the money win. I've got the it's, this. Is how yeah, it's. the live the live dot com leaderboard. The live golf dot com leaderboard is it's it gives eighth for Chucky three sticks, but doesn't include the dollar amounts that I can find in here. It's definitely it, it's got room to go, and and the broadcast too. I feel again like it's it's a lot like a tour broadcast and i sort of wish it wasn't in a way Mm -hmm. um and i think that kind of goes back to the money thing too like it's uncomfortable for the broadcast crew i think just it's not really in their nature it's not in their practice to bring that sort of thing up or to even think that way so i think it's just it's almost like you have to deprogram a lot of what's going on with the production but 
it's also really busy. The screen is really busy. The pylon is still really busy. The the bottom where it gives like who's on the team and who el- or who else is on the hole. Like I don't yeah, really I care will in say, that I, moment. Like I noticed this week that I thought they did a little bit more of something that we had talked about, which was to have both the individual and the team scores on the screen at the same time. It wasn't full time, and that probably makes sense. But for a good period of the broadcast, they would have the individual pylon on the left and the team scores on the right. And that's helpful. Does this matter? Why am I watching John Norris right now? Does this matter to Mm -hmm. the team competition? That's good. Kudos for that, I guess. Other notable names, and JT, since this is all so readily available for you, maybe you can help us, but Bryson DeChambeau finished at 10 under. I think he came in 14th. DJ DJ finished at 9 under, which was a tie for 15th with, I think, five people. does that mean I my pick one for the yeah. week? Yeah, J Score, you're the winner you. of our competition this week. Thank you, thank you. JT and I, uh, congratulations. Uh, I had the Venmo is open. I had DJ who, though he did not win this week, and though I did not win this week, what Dustin Johnson did do was clinch the individual title for Liv's first inaugural season, and that wins him another eighteen million dollars. So DJ has gone over thirty million dollars in on course winnings with two events left to go. Congratulations. Life is DJ. good for DJ right now. <laughs> Life is really good for DJ. So he so it doesn't matter what he does, he's got a forty something point lead going into the last individual event this week in Jeddah. But there are a bunch of people who obviously still have a chance at eight million dollars for second and four million dollars for third. So DJ's in first. Brandon Grace, who we should say suffered an injury. He was playing well. He suffered an injury. It's quite a scene. Yeah, it wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, the guy, he had an oblique problem. He went down and he had physical. Oh, it looked like a big deal on the broadcast. Oh, I know. Slugger was on scene. He was checking it out, getting a close up. It certainly looks like a big deal if you're on Twitter and you got to check out some memes, right? Because that didn't happen, of course. Nothing like that happened when Will Zalatoris hurt his back during the FedEx playoffs this year. It was nothing like that. Certainly, Brandon Grace is known for being overdramatic. Greg like, Norman was on scene. He came out. He's checking it. What's going on? Yeah, it's a, it's a big bummer if you're in the Grace camp. And also for Stinger GC taking a pretty severe hit, uh, not allowed to replace him because they had no one to be their fourth for the for the third day. And now he's kind of behind the eight ball, depending on how this what the diagnosis is, which I haven't heard yet. I don't understand. Fer- what? Faraday was Faraday was going wild about the intracostal muscles and all of the <laughs> stuff that it could possibly be, and and all of this testimony about how severe those injuries are or how long they take to heal. He misses an event. He misses out on more points. Somebody like Reed can sneak in there. Oh, somebody and, like and- Reed is definitely going to sneak in there. I, but I want to get back to this playing with three business. I've got to call into question the captaincy of Louis Oosthuizen. I mean, the guy he's running a team. He, he's the. I guess he has equity. Are you telling me? I, I'd hate to hear that Greg Norman didn't allow him to sign another player in an emergency like this. If I'm Louis Oosthuizen, I'm going out into that crowd. I'm gonna. I'm gonna find the guy with the lowest handicap. Anybody. Get him out there. Who knows? Lightning in the bottle. I don't. I don't disagree with it. This is the Something. kind of thing that could make for a Disney movie twenty years from now. They sure. came on. They came on quickly and said there was no backup player. So I don't know why some teams have them and some don't. Well, uh, it might have been it might have been Henny Duplessis who is busy uh, doing well. Yeah, well, I hear he might be the substitute for uh, Brendan Grace. Listen, all I'm saying is you have to give 
Louis freedom to sign a free agent to go out there. Who knows what's happening? I, I'm a big. I've talked to you guys about this before. I'm a big fan of the guy, golf sidekick, water player on YouTube. He's out there in Thailand. You know his putter. He can get that putter going. I, I don't know. Water player might be able to put up a score. You got to let Louis find somebody. Is all I'm saying. I certainly don't disagree. I mean, my team needs help right now. After busting out of the gate, I thought I was really getting on a hot horse and I was just going to run rough shot over you guys all year long. That's not turned out to be the case. Schwartzel hasn't shown much. Ustazen hasn't shown anything. I'm hoping that they'll be able to right the ship and then get some good work in over the winter and be ready for 23. So do we, we know, was, was the three-man thing and the, the inability to try to – fill it is that a pre-written out procedure or did they have to improvise on the fly do we know this is what i'm saying i have no idea i don't think i even heard that i must maybe i was trying to jury rig some electrical wiring here i'm saying that there are circumstances under which a player can be brought in to replace another but apparently sir is it in the rules de- of sir, no 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 like under, under lives rules like certainly not on the fly like he couldn't go play his ball you know, yeah, I wouldn't which let would be, but that would be sick. <laughs> like absolute bullpen. Yes, there's nothing wrong be. with that if we, like, if, we if they had non-playing captains, that would be the best thing in the world. Bubba, as non-playing captain, goes out to Piot and says, "Buddy, three over after six, you, you're out." In comes the left-hander, but that's not what it is. So when Stenson was injured, that substitution was made before the competition. Yep. And I don't I don't have the regulations in front of me, but what it sounds like to me is you could add a player in between rounds if they were available like on site. It I think it's plausible that the Stinger GC substitute player or or fifth player was not on site anymore and as a result couldn't replace. All right. Well screw the stingers. I'm not a fan of that I, team. Anyway, on, honestly, I just, like I like the idea of being down a guy. It's rubber the green. It's golf, baby. I mean if, if injuries happen, if you're down, you're down. I'm once the actual event starts, if the event hasn't started yet, then sure, makes sense. But you know, yeah, I think it I think that's the right call ultimately is just rubber the green. You got hurt. Sorry, you're three guys now. All right, let's talk teams. Teams, uh, Shakar's Fireballs, captained by Sergio Garcia, got its first win of the season, shot a combined 45 under for the week after two previous third-place podium appearances in Portland and Bedminster. Shakar shot 69 on Sunday for his individual win, but he was bettered by both Sergio Garcia and Abe Anser. They both shot 68 on Sunday, finished tied for 20th and 10th, respectively. Carlos Ortiz, the final member of the Fireball, shot a 70, but he did finish tied for 15th individually, earned $233,600 in addition to his $750,000 share of the team win. So that's almost a million bucks for Carlos yeah, Ortiz. Yeah, launched, launched, launched him up the team standings. Fireball's just a, a few points off the podium for team standings for the year at this point, and and. It does appear as if uh, I, I I haven't done the math. Uh, Duffer, do you know? Are the have the the aces have not locked up the team championship yet, though? Only DJ well, there is a, the there individual. is no locking up of the team championship. All you can do is the top four teams will secure a buy into yeah, the second, oh, into the end of year event. Okay, into this okay. into the second round of the Miami Match Play Championship. So yes, the four aces have locked up a buy in Miami, locked up the regular season first place position and remember 
teams are allowed to pick their opponent in Miami. So there is maybe some benefit to being ranked first rather than second, third, or fourth in Miami. But my guys, the four aces are in good shape. They didn't reach the podium after winning the prior four events. In their place, the Crushers, 38 under, captained by J-Score's man, Bryson DeChambeau, finished second. And the Martin Keimer-led Cleeks Golf Club took home the third place prize at 37 under. They split $1.5 million and a half a million dollars, respectively. Mickelson, Phil Mickelson of the High Flyers, had his best week on live, shooting a three under 69 in all three rounds to finish tied for 15th at nine under and collect his 233 grand. Congratulations, Phil. Love to see it. Game's rounding into, into form. Yeah, the Crushers with another second place finish. That's uh, the uh, the third, I believe, second place finish they've had all season. Uh, it, Bryson overall, I he he looked solid. He didn't look great. Putting wasn't super good from what I could see. I don't have the data golf to back me up there, but so you know, we've 69, made some... 68, 69. It was it was fine. It it wasn't spectacular though. It wasn't clearly good enough. Yeah. So we've made fun of some of the teams, but. There actually has been some pretty decent parity with four aces excluded. They've clearly been the class of the league and maybe need to be broken up. But nine of the 12 teams have actually reached the podium. Only the Torque, <laughs> who they've got the best hat. So they got that going for them, which is nice. Torque, the Ironheads, and the Niblicks have yet to reach the podium. Even the lowly Punch Golf Club finished third once and has collected $250,000. So kind of on that note, do we, so heading into next year, tied for that, have they, have they, as far as the team structures and stuff, like it's possible a reset and all of that takes place. We think heading into next season, like the team stuff is still pretty fluid. Anything's possible. This is a startup. There's, there's nothing off the table. Of course. No. Cause I, cause yeah, I mean like even like the regular season team stuff, like I'd like there to be some sort of recognition with more events and different. Oh, I guess that's one thing we should talk about. Talk about anything's possible. Suddenly (laughs) this week, we found out midway through the broadcast that for the first time, three scores would count in all three rounds for yeah, every pre- for every previous event we had gone two in the first three in the third so that was a curveball i don't know you know i'd like to dig into the numbers and see what precipitated that i, I gotta believe it's like kevin na just in greg norman's ear bitching at him about how the four aces it's not fair and you know somebody's somebody's maybe bryson bryson's run the numbers and concluded that some teams are getting a getting an advantage here regardless they're they're going to stick with that again in jetta and then there's a rumor and we don't know if it's true there was a rumor today on the internet i don't know if you guys saw this it supposedly came from shikara that there will be a cut this week of some kind in jetta and that apparently there would or maybe there was going to be a cut this week in bangkok too i don't know how that would work i'm not sure i buy it is it a reliable source on Twitter? Probably not, but that was the rumor today. So who knows? It's things move fast. We're breaking things. Anything's possible, J Score. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Yeah. So I'm guessing that an, an individual competition cut misser would still be playing in the team competition. It would just be eliminated from consideration. That's how you're going at it. I mean, we're this is a pure speculation party. So sure, that's how we're doing it. <laughs> Love that. 
Uh, I will say the course overall, though, was really, really cool to see. That place looked ridiculous, as you might expect, for somebody who's worth $12 billion and just throwing money at a, at a golf course. Every tree held up. TIO in play there. Yeah, TIO um, with the tree supports, which is, I guess, understandable. But you know, yeah. why not just why not just say no TIO? We're we're doing hazards out here. We're doing obstacles. Like I you love know, the it. course was the course was pretty easy. You would think that they yeah, l- let's do something like that. Bad luck. Sorry, rub the green. You got behind a yep. tree support. It looked like a lot of fun to play for guys like us, right? Yeah, you, you couldn't miss. Wide. There was, yeah, there was wide. Even when you missed, where did you miss? You're just in another fairway or in some. God, the, the grass was so nice. Was I mean, there rough? There, I, was I didn't se- see rough. Several times, Arlo White would ask, is that on the green? Because could, you couldn't tell if it was on the green surrounds or on the green surface. And the grass was just perfect. The putts were Yeah, rolling. they did, did a lot it of speculating. It like crazy. A lot, of, a lot of speculation about what, not what cut of grass it was, but what way the grain was going. And that was kind of what they were using for a clue yeah. over and over. So anyway, back to the back to the individual title. DJ's locked up first. Grace has 79 points. He may not play. Patrick Reed is only three points behind. So if he gets on the board, he's got second place. That's that's eight million dollars. Cam Smith, of course, still has a chance to come in second. He's got 56 points. You get 40 for a win. So there are five or six, maybe seven guys all the way down to Matt Wolf, who's got 50 points that can get second place and certainly third. So there's a lot to play for this week in Saudi Arabia. We'll talk about Jeddah in a minute, but we've got more golf. Any other thoughts you guys had on the Live Golf in Bangkok this week? OTP, you had mentioned Charles Schwartzel earlier, um, you know, underperforming. He's got a long putter. I am so out on anchoring and long putters. And if you're doing that kind of thing, the split grips, like you're in trouble. You're you're searching, you're searching. Uh, Best of luck to you. I also, uh, the crew socks, I will say, I, again, I'm, I feel like this segment is more just me agreeing with OTP, just kind of backhandedly, but Ian Poulter, the crew sock combo, tough scene. It continues to be tough to see. He, he that Let's guy needs mind. to wear pants. Even loud mind. plaid pants, he's got to wear pants. If you're wearing a brogue style shoe and you're wearing high socks, you probably need to be wearing pants. If you're wearing an athletic shoe, you might be able to wear high socks. That's the subtlety there. Otherwise, short socks, always a winner. One thing just about the golf course. So when greens are new, uh, newly built, they're normally very, very hard. And I did not see as much of that as I expected to. I expected to see a lot of balls bouncing. And that was something that came up on the PGA Tour this week uh, where the greens had been rebuilt at the TPC of Summerlin. And I'm not sure if it's time to talk about this yet. You were watching closely, huh? We'll get, I mean, if everyone's done, we can go to the PGA. The PGA Tour was in Summerlin this week, my former home on the west side of Las Vegas for the Shriners Children Classic. We, I think the three of us, if I don't know if J Score watched, but at least you and I, JT, were among the 10 to 20 people watching on TV. There were at least another three to four dozen there. Your thoughts on the golf course? I personally think desert golf is excellent. Like, I think it's super fun. Shame on you. I, I just I love the views that you get. I I love that they can make holes exactly the way they want them to be. I don't like that every par three's got a waterfall. It seems like like that's just the common place to collect the money or the the water. Sorry, the money, the water retention ponds and stuff like that don't do much for me. But like, it just in general, desert golf is a big favorite. Love watching it, love playing it. 
Well, I am the desert duffer, so I I suppose I'm supposed to take a stance alongside yours, JT. I you know what? I mean, it it serves a purpose. You live here in Southern California. You end up playing a lot of golf in the Palm Springs, Palm Desert area. Lived in Las Vegas. You end up obviously you're going to play there. I, I didn't play too much golf at Shadow Creek and Southern Highlands, which are pretty much the only options if you don't want to play desert golf in the Vegas area. But you know, it's fine. I was. So we should talk about who won. Tom Kim, 20-year-old Tom Kim, four Tom months Kim, younger than Akshay Batia, won his second PGA Tour title after winning the Wyndham earlier this year. But he did it by beating 2021 PGA Tour Player of the Year and FedEx Cup champion Patrick Cantlay. Now, who did, got, he beat, did he beat him? Or well, did, uh... Cantlay lost. I don't know how it happened, but Cantlay got burned by the desert. And it was great to see. On the 18th hole, they went to the 18th hole. They were tied. It looked like we may be seeing a playoff mid-length par four. Cantlay loses his drive to the left in the native area. And as you will have happened to you in the desert, he was up against some desert flora and had to make a choice. The thing is, Tom Kim was in the fairway and they're tied on the last hole. So Got to try to make the shot. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Like, the, Is it? normally going to be the right play to take an unplayable lie you're still going to have to hit from the desert and it's going to be really dicey to try to reach the green from there so he tried to get it out onto the fairway he didn't advance the ball it stayed in cactus uh, and he ended up mm-hmm. he he needed to make a 36 footer to make triple made a seven and that for the pga tour that was a big money putt because he misses that putt he makes quad he makes the snowman and he falls into third place. So he at least tied for second. But Tom Kim is your winner. He's 20 years old, President's Cup darling. All the excitement, South Korea. I can't imagine what's happening in South Korea right now. couple of things. Let's just do Cantlay quickly. Yeah. One of the bonehead moves of all time. No guarantee that Kim is going to birdie the last hole. And you can't game it out that way. You have to make the best score that you can. That ball was against a bush. It wasn't in flowers. It wasn't in weeds. And even though it might be sketchy to drop the ball, you can still get it up and in for a par. That makes the lowest score you can make four and the highest score you can make probably five, right? You well, try I, to hit I, it through the bush. You try to hit it through the bush, you can make seven. You, but when you, you're the best you in the world, a, but when you're the best in the world, you got to try that stuff, right? Yeah, like second, you do. And, you second place mean, and second place means nothing to him. He just won a truckload of money last year. He's doing fine. He's got to go for the win. I don't know how you can blame him for that. He's still a good – I don't know if you saw – He the, did the wrong thing. No. That's how I can blame him. No. He, he gave himself the worst chance to make four. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He, if he gets, if he takes the drop, all he's doing is hitting off well, dirt. Yelling. If he, if he you're, pitches in the, it, you're in the red, and that's not going to be good for our players. Well, if he so okay, if you want to yell, just right. step back from the microphone a little bit. All right, Pappy. Well, if he if he pitches the ball out in the fairway, he's 170 yards away hitting three. Yes, he is hitting off grass, but that's the only difference. It's a and he's in no control of where the ball goes. If he's dropping the ball, he has a little bit of control of where it goes. He he did not have two club lengths to get to a place where he could easily get his club on the ball back there. He was still facing obstacles with the drop. You can go backwards. You have things you can do that are not hitting it through a tree. Hitting a ball off of dirt or off of rocks is far more predictable for a player of his caliber than trying to hit the ball through a bush. There's too much arithmetic that goes with it. Totally disagree. Yeah, I mean, he, he did the right thing. Here, com- 
that's why I beat you by fifteen. No, it's that is completely it, wrong. No, that that's clearly not why you beat me by fifteen. <laughs> it has <laughs> nothing. It has nothing to do with brain power. Uh, I, I, hope, I hope so. I hope someday. I hope. I hope someday. I hope someday that we're we're grinding it out like that, and we're we're doing that, and you try to hit it through a sage bush because I will encourage that. I will not encourage you to take a drop. I mean, the only argument is about having to carry the water, but I just kind of take it for granted for someone of his caliber that he can know what's going to carry the ball 150 yards and make it happen. Um, anyway, I hated it. I I love the way Kim gets it done, though. Right. We're talking all the time about how golf has no guarantees and that uh, you have to strike while the iron is hot, right? Limited chances to win, all of that stuff. Well, last year in 2021, Cantley got it done two or three times, and he was the player of the year and won FedEx Cup and all that stuff. Well, this was a time when he didn't, right, because you're not guaranteed to. Tom Kim's two for two now, um, and just hotter than a firecracker. So awesome. And something else that made me laugh, hits that drive on 18, 161 ball speed. Tom Kim is mortal. He's super duper straight. He's not a bomber. He's super duper good at golf, like all facets. He's a well-rounded player. Now, does that mean he's going to have a long uh, career as a winner, as a top-tier guy? Is he going to threaten all the time? I don't think so because I think distance is – a big part of being able to win big, but is he going to last? Is he the new Furick? Is he the new Stricker? Right. There's a really good chance that he's going to have the kind of well-rounded game that's going to last. It's encouraging. Yeah. Well, I who knows? What, what are your thoughts, Jay Score? I want to hear whether you think he's the kind of guy who's going to win multiple majors and 82 times on the PGA Tour. Is he just a guy who who has done a pretty good job winning against crappy fields on the PGA Tour? So. It has taken me years of being deprogrammed from the Tiger era and expecting greatness out of anybody who shows up and has a hot start or a hot stretch. I still fall victim to it. I'm not going to lie. And Tom Kim is the right mix of personality, charisma. His game is fun to watch. I don't know that charisma wins golf tournaments. I'm not sure about that. It doesn't. It doesn't. But it definitely is appealing as a golf fan. And... He's playing really well, you know. Yeah, of course he is. And you know what? If you, yeah, and if you get excited about that kind of stuff, you could think back to last year, and hell, you could look right this year. Tom Hoagie, your guy from your state, yeah, he seems like a Who's world doing well. I on mean, this yeah, stretch. maybe Tom Hoagie's going to win the Grand Slam. Who knows? You know, but it turns out that <laughs> there are horses for courses. So Cantlay, I should say, was trying to win for the second time at TPC Summerlin. He now has three second-place finishes among his five entrants into this tournament. There are horses for courses. Tom Hoagie thrives on the lack of competition. Tom Hoagie, he looks around. He doesn't see any of the big names. And he's like, this is where I'm, you know, he's rubbing his hands. This is where I make my money. There's a lot of guys like that. Tom Kim could be that. Remember, he didn't win at the President's Cup. Yeah, he did a lot of dancing around, a lot of firing up the crowd, and it's great. You're 20 years old, and you're excitable, but you weren't winning, and you won the Wyndham, and you won the Shriners in front of nobody. I mean, I, nobody again, I, I've been there. I've been to that tournament. I, I listen. I see these Twitter fights about whether there were more people at Bangkok 
whether there were more people. I don't know how many people were at Bangkok. I wasn't there. But I have been to the Shriners and ain't nobody there. I saw yeah. it on TV yesterday. I've been there in person. It's a ghost town. Okay, so he won a tournament and good for him. It's hard to win on the PGA Tour, as the NBC announcers Mm -hmm. will tell you and the Golf Channel announcers will tell you when you're at a crappy event like the Shriners because they're not putting that on network TV. But it's hard to win on the PGA Tour. It's hard to beat anybody. But, you know, this field is it was garbage. Yeah, I mean, it's still it's still a big win, though. But I, I will say the counterpoint like desert golf. I'm not a fan. It's fine. I'll play it when I'm there, but ultimately, I'd rather play almost anywhere else. But some people, th- some people truly thrive in force carry, target golf, tightly mowed, no rough situations, and you keep it in front of you, and you can go low at a lot of desert locations. And I think certain they also guys got just no wind. They they should move this event yeah. out to <clears throat> Paiute, which has the three Pete Dye designed courses out there. It's going to be a lot more challenging for these guys. This TP, well, of course that'll never happen because this is PGA Tour Inc.'s investment. TPC, it's their own so, course. All right, so all right, all right. Let me give you a qu- let me give you a quick one here. Since I I hinted at the fact that Tom Kim might be the new Furyk. Furyk, seventeen wins on tour. Obviously played right up to the time he was fifty and started relatively late. I feel like seventeen wins on tour, one major, three out of his first four wins were the Las Vegas Invitational. (laughs) Back when Jim Kelly used to call golf on ESPN at night on Sundays when they had the fall golf package. I remember that stuff well. I think I was watching his first win as Furyk and Stricker came up at the same time. I think Stricker is a good comp too. Somebody who's not physically dominant, but is wily, is a well-rounded player, has guts, you yeah, know, I, don't, I don't know if I can. I, I mean, that's incredible that you feel like you can make comparisons to Tom Kim. I've seen him. I mean, we literally had never heard of him earlier in this podcast <laughs> season. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But but it like golfers have types, right? And his sure. golf game, his golf game has a type. He's ultra straight. He's not long at all. He's a big time precision player. Apparently, and he's number fifteen really, in the world. Yeah, really gritty. And right now. Right now, anyway, when he's had opportunities to do it, he's got it done. Not clearly doesn't have a lot of fear. He's kicked the door down when he's had a chance. Yeah, I mean, there and was that's something was, that people struggle with a lot. He was not at all intimidated by Matthew Nesmith, who carded a sixty-six <laughs> to get to twenty-one under <laughs> and, and tie with Patrick Cantlay. I want to talk about. I, I should at least mention again, J Score, your man, Tom Hoagie. He tied yes. with another South Korean, S.H. Kim, and 36-hole leader, Mito Pereira, who is – I'm going to call it right now. I guarantee you Mito Pereira will be playing Live Golf next year. I've seen some no. things on on the internet. I know he's playing in an event in Chile in December with Joaquin Neiman that is opposite a PGA Tour event that I'm sure Jay has not given permission for. Mito Pereira is playing Live next year. Book it. Uh, Max Homa, Twitter's everyone on Twitter's favorite yeah. Max Homa was among those who tied 420th at minus 14. This not the course for that particular horse, I guess. Tom Kim had a bogey-free week, made him the first bogey-free 72-hole champion on the PGA Tour since JT Poston accomplished the feat wow. in 2019 the postman. at the Wyndham. 
South Koreans, I thought, I thought, you know, a bunch of these President's Cup guys, South Koreans played really well. South Korean nationals have now won 23 times on the PGA Tour. Nine South Koreans, 23 wins. Impressive. I can't wait to start hearing about, you know, breathless whispering about how, you know, we need Tom Kim to win a major so he won't have to do his compulsory military service in South Korea because that's it's so important to all of oh, us. Oh yes, that's the that next these, trope, right? Yes, that these yeah. these wealthy professional golfers not have to do their compulsory military service that everybody else in South Korea has to do. All right, I, that's I've said. I, I mean, you got anything else about the PGA Tour? I've got one more thing. No, I was just going to say, in addition to what you've been saying, Siwoo Kim played very well again. Um, great to see, um, continuing his hot stretch. But that's basically all I've got. On yeah, Sung Jae finished at nineteen under. Yeah, I mean, good good week for the Koreans. But the big story once again on the PGA Tour is Jimmy Walker. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Our Jimmy Walker update. Jimmy missed his second straight cut. This one by seven strokes. He was three over after two rounds, so he he didn't partake of the birdie fest. But I JT, I know you'll be happy to hear he was home. He was living his best life by Saturday. He was eating raw meat with his twelve-year-old son and teaching him steak how to tar tar, <laughs> I was about to say, and teaching him how Go to Jimmy. drive a stick shift on the ranch. So you know, God, just just love the Jimmy updates. I wish he would, Jimmy, call us. We want to have these updates on the Zoom. It's not a Zoom. Why do, why do you screw Zoom? I'm going to edit that out. We don't use Zoom. <laughs> but okay. absolutely, Jimmy Walker, what a thrill it would be to have you on the show. I've got so many things that you're good at that I'm not good at that I would like to know about. All right. Tough, tough one for Jimmy, but he'll be back. We know he'll be back. DP World Tour. There was an event in Europe, in Spain, or the Open de España, the Spanish Open for those of go. us here in English-speaking countries. It was won by, in a shocking turn of events, John Rahm became the first three-time winner of the Spanish Open since Sebi Ballesteros 27 years ago. The dominant six-shot victory, former world number one, only led by one stroke over Australia's Min Woo Lee. That's Minji's brother going into the final round in Madrid. But Rahm, who also won in 2018 and 2019, had eight birdies and an eagle in a nine under par final round. Extremely impressive. Awesome to see someone winning on their home soil, going back to support tournaments in their home country uh, since they're forced to play in the United States all year round and still to make time. I think that's great. Yeah, this, then, but by the way, this field was pure garbage. I mean, there were only two yeah. players in the top 50 in the world, I think maybe five in the top 100. Tommy Fleetwood was the next best player. I mean, the field stunk. It's it's garbage. But you know what? It stunk back when Seve was playing too. I went back and looked at some of the leaderboards back then, and he wasn't uh, beating the big three. It was, you know, it's these national opens. I know people love this national open stuff, and Rom clearly was emotional about it. I don't care. I mean, I care about some of them. I care about the Australian Open. I care about ones that have some history. But the Spanish Open, other than Seve Ballesteros winning it three times, does any, do you know anything about it? Do you care about it? I don't know if we're leaning on history so hard on this podcast. I don't know if that. We I don't do know how history, no politics. We us. do history, no politics. Okay. Well, uh, Rom had some interesting things to say. Would you? Dee Dee Myers. That that, by the way, the Dee Dee Myers was not politics. That was just the. You know. I thought, yeah, CJ Craig. We're all we're hundred percent hundred percent in Dee Dee hundred percent in. Uh, maybe one of the five best shows of all time. But uh, Rom had some great things to say about 
our man Gino uh, gave him a shout out in his victory speech, giving him congratulations uh, for winning the live event. I thought it was a really classy move by him. Really cool. Yeah, I've got the and quote then, here. Yeah. I don't know how accurate yeah, it is. He, let it rip. He gave it in Spanish. There was a translation on Twitter. I apologize if this is not uh, completely accurate, but this was the English translation per Twitter. Ram said, although some people want to make us look at them, live, as the enemy, he is just a 22 years old guy winning against some of the best players of the world. Congratulations if you see this, Eugenio. And that's, you know, he did, it's not, it's not so much what he said as the fact that he said it at all, I think. That was the impressive thing there because there were so many people on Twitter, so many golf media people, so many haters, so many losers who wanted to to belittle this victory and what it means for Chikara, what it means for Liv. And to see one of the best players in the world and one of the most important players on the PGA Tour stand up and say that, especially after having said some stuff about Sergio and about the Ryder Cup and now it should be the best players from Europe playing against the best players in the USA, it, it's heartening. It's really encouraging to see Rom say that. I know OTP likes to say, you know, if you've listened to prior episodes, his his rant and raving about Rory playing both sides and coming out ahead, which may be intentional. Maybe it is some sort of advanced chess game. I'm not sure. But, you know, Rom very publicly has been sort of non-committal long-term at all. And, and to go out of his way and say something like that is cool to see. You know, a big reason Eugenio even went to live was, I mean, I mean, maybe the only reason is, well, I'll, the money is a big reason. Let's not get twisted. But Sergio Garcia being involved with the team call was financial a huge security pull. is what we call it. There you go. Financial, financial security. security. He's set. He won. He's set. It's you know mission accomplished. So good. Uh, yeah, Rom is great. I, I there's always a lot of smoke around Rom joining Live, and I I still am very on the fence. I think he definitely needs to see what happens with major qualifications and is he going to have actually have to open qualify into yeah, remember like he was he was US. one of those he was one of those unanimous players to come out of the meeting in yeah he was wait what in, did we what did delaware I at the hotel dupont saying what i have to play all of them i didn't know that uh yeah, big this, week big week for spain right we've got shikara yeah. winning in bangkok we've got rom winning his national open by the way the first prize for rom was like three hundred thousand dollars did he get an appearance fee I suspect he may have. I, I suspect somebody encouraged of John Ron money, perhaps financially to show up. Uh, but also Sergio Garcia is the captain of the Fireballs that also won in Bangkok. But it's interesting to me that these guys are all Spanish because their hero, every last one of them, Sevi Ballesteros, was one of the guys. He would have been absolutely one of the members of Live right now. He got into a war in the early 80s with the European tour over their disallowance of European players to receive appearance fees when American players were able to get them when they came over. He was in a war with the powers that be who decided the Ryder Cup during the same time period. He played in and proved his mettle. I know it's hard to frigging believe, but there were people back then in the late 70s, early 80s, who didn't think Seve Ballesteros might have what it takes for the Ryder Cup. Like maybe he wasn't a match play guy. You know how he proved he was? There was this big, unsanctioned by any tour, cash money match play tournament that all the best players played in in Japan. 
every year. And Seve Ballesteros went over there and kicked butt and showed that match play, he was born for match play. It's just so many people seem to think that the live tour and any kind of breakaway is just so contrary to so much history and legacy of the PGA Tour and what everyone's been playing for. I just think, you know, really interesting that the Spanish guys were front and center this week. Yeah, they're they're gonna they're gonna find out in like three years when the next PGA Tour television deal goes down that there's no Tiger Woods to trade on, and despite what everyone has tried to do to prop up Rory McIlroy, nobody cares. Yeah, about yeah. him. He's not part of he's not part of pop culture. There's no crossover there. It's not there. No, there's nothing. And I heard. I heard. I get more convinced all the time that it's that NASCAR is the best comp. I mean, I've heard this from a hundred people. But I really think it's going to go back to its core audience. Like anybody who had any interest in casual watching of golf, that stuff started in 1997, you know, started in 1996. And then once Tiger is truly done and truly not coming back, we're going to be back at that level. This is why Live is good, because the next stage of golf, the next era is really larva right now. We're really in stage two of four and finding out what it's going to be. Yeah, I heard Tom Kim after this win that his hero was Tiger Woods. Tom Kim is 20 years old and three months. That's crazy. In, he, he was born in 2002. When he was eight years old in 2010, Tiger's career was over. And the guy that he looks up to, his idol, is Tiger Woods. He's won since, – since Tom Kim has been eight years old, Tiger Woods has won one major – and you know what, like this eight, player nine tournaments. Yeah, but that's his. That's his idol. I mean, th- that tells me it's all I choice. need to know. Yeah, of course, of <laughs> course. He he had good parents apparently. Who, who yeah. you know, the guy's an aging superstar, the greatest of all time, of course. But an aging superstar, that's not who your children are supposed to be wanting to be like. They're supposed to be saying, "I want to be Roy, Rory McIlroy." If you're Tom Kim, it's supposed to be. Jordan Spieth or or whomever, but the fact that it's this aging, nearly fifty year old guy says there may be some problems in the future of golf. Who's the superstar? Who's the guy? You know, all of these Kyle Porters who live their lives with fatheads of Jordan Spieth on their wall. Jordan Spieth ain't walking through that door. Who's the next guy? We haven't seen him in a while. Maybe Tom Kim's it. Yeah, and but I think that's where Live creating a global product is is a good thing, and and Spain is in the spotlight right now in the golf world, and good for them. Definitely trending up, and think about what that can do for young golfers in who look up to John Rahm and maybe Eugenio as well, um, and obviously Sergio is legendary. So, you know that that in in and of itself is really great, and then for it to have honestly for it to happen like in close proximity to DP World Tour and Keith Pelly. Uh, kind of giving the finger to Seve by renaming the Seve Trophy into the Moto Hero Cup or whatever for the DP World Tour in Abu Dhabi. Their sort of Ryder Cup event coming back. Yeah, feel yeah, good Seve's, for Seve's Rom daughter, and Sergio and company. Seve's daughter, Carmen, was on hand at the Spanish Open, and I think she helped present the trophy to John Rom. Good to see her. All right, moving on from Spain, we're back to Southern California. The LBGA was in Southern California. It was the fifth time this year. You know, I'm sure that the women who make, what, 30% of what the PGA Tour guys make and some tiny fraction of what 
the live guys make. I'm sure they're so happy about being back in California and paying the oppressive state income tax that they have to pay on their winnings here in Southern California. But they're back for the fifth time this year in Southern California this week. They were at the MetaHeal Championship. It was the first time this event was played in Southern California. It's at the Satakoy Club in Solis, California. It was won by Jody Ewart Shadoff, who won for her first time in 246 starts. She's 34 years old. She had a four-stroke lead going into Sunday, lost it completely to Paula Rito by the ninth or tenth hole. But Rito faltered down the stretch and Shadoff, or I, maybe I, am I supposed to say Ewart Shadoff? I never know whether I'm supposed to say both the middle or the second and the third name. You can't do it wrong. You can't do it wrong. Rito, uh, Rito herself. That's Rito. At, at least Rito, that's what they say on the broadcast. It's Rito. Boiler up, really coming boiler into her up. own this year after a, a long time trying to get her career off the ground for real and now has made a huge move. Uh, our friend, Lauren Coughlin, had her first top 10 on yeah. the LPGA Tour. So congratulations to her. That was heartening and I was doing a lot of scoreboard watching and and kind of living and dying with every update on their website, which is horrifically slow. Congratulations to, to Rito as well for, for getting her career going in a big way. And I think the sky's the limit. The only other LPGA note I had personally was um, bummer to see Amy Olson miss the cut this week. Uh, local favorite and always scoreboard watching for her. Is she a Dakotan? Yes, NDSU graduate, uh, right. North Dakota State. Ewart uh, Shadoff became the 10th different. I'm losing my voice here. I apologize to our listeners, but Ewart Shadoff became the 10th different player to win on the tour this season. The record is 11, set in 1995. We've still got four more events remaining. Starts next week with the, not next week, not this coming week, the week after at the BMW Ladies Championship, October 20th to 23rd in South Korea, which is, of course, home to many of the LPGA stars, including. World number one, Jin Young Ko, who's been nursing a wrist injury. So she's supposed to be back for that. Obviously, the home fans want to see her. I, I love those Asian events. I love watching them on late TV. You know, Su Ann Hang, who is on the broadcast crew for Live Golf, had been doing those. So it'll be interesting to see who's replaced her for those broadcasts. But the LPGA is not playing this week. This week, the Ladies European Tour is coming to the United States. The Saudi Aramco Team Series is taking place in New York at a golf course called Trump Ferry Point. It's called Trump Ferry Point in the New York area, the Aramco Team Series. My understanding is this event will get world ranking points. It's a 54-hole stroke play tournament. Let me see. It's 78, only 78 players. A bunch of invitees. So there are 11 invitees not qualified. Those invitees include Nellie Corda, Jess Corda, Brooke Henderson, Lexi Thompson, Natalie Gulbis, a fan favorite, and Annie Park. Others in the field include Dame Laura Davies, Charlie Hull, Maya Stark, and Ireland's Leona McGuire. That's 54 holes they're going to play, 78 players, Trump Ferry Point. Now... First and foremost, that sounds like a pretty impressive field to see. Uh, so looking forward to that. Second of all, I know nothing about the golf course. And third of all, 
Did I hear you right? The what you described, and then you you slipped it in there. Is it getting OWGR points? Are we are we sure? Well, of that? they don't do have we, OWGR. Do it's the it's the Rolex World Rankings. But Ranking. Yes, they're, yes, get, sorry. they're getting yes. points. And it, yeah, it for some reason it's fifty four holes only. Uh, checking, checking. Yeah, no, there's no cut. There's no cut for this event either. And this is in series. There's several of. So these. it is possible to create uh, a ranking system that does not have a cut involved throughout the world uh, you know it is pot not only is it possible we'll talk a little bit we've got some stuff to cover first but the pga tour is headed to japan this week we're gonna there's some there's some really disappointing news that we're gonna hear about <laughs> the cut situation on the pga tour in the coming two weeks so we'll get there but we're moving on everyone's favorite segment is back it's been a while we haven't had a hater or loser of the week in some time. I've got one. I don't know about you, JT, but I know you've got one, J-Score. Why don't we I go do. to yours first? Who, who do you got for hater and loser? All right. Thank you very much. I mean, maybe it's predictable. Maybe people saw it coming a mile away. Who knows? But my hater and loser this week is is none other than Steve Flesh. In the um, flesh. <laughs> in the flesh on Twitter, if you're so inclined to add a blue check mark to your following list, uh, you're welcome to follow. I bet, him. He's, I bet he'd rather the check mark be red. I bet he. I bet he's a little upset that he has to. Have no comment. We don't mark. do that here, Doug. <laughs> so you know you can't. I. I. What he wasn't really on my radar in a in a prominent enough way to hit haters and losers. But when he comes after my guy Bryson, um, making Bryson. fun of his Bryson comments, taking on a the lot OWGR, of heat. It's tough when you're in the spotlight. People always have something to say so lashing out again at ow or at at uh, bryson and his comments on the owgr i, I believe he called bryson entitled listen I steve mean, flesh Bry- bryson's a major champion i don't i'm not sure i haven't heard much about this steve flesh does he have any major title victories i think you i think you know the answer to that the answer is no <laughs> he's got four four wins on tour when he was on tour Three Champions Tour wins, two of which are recent. Speaking the Champions Tour, I mean, that's one of the first things that needs Social to go welfare. if somebody decides to destroy the PGA Tour. I mean, that's oh, part of the disgusting. problem right there. It's, disgust- it's communism. To talk about I mean, we entitlement. Don't do, we, don't, we don't do politics, but that's communism. I mean, of the, it's like the, it's Stalin type. I mean, to, it's, to it's speak of entitlement as you're cashing checks on Champions Tour is just, I don't even know what to say to that. So you know your, your time... Wait, I, I've got to interrupt you for just a second. I think we need to stop besmirching the good name of the Champions Tour because I was looking. We don't have a ratings game this week, but I was looking at the ratings last year for this weekend, and it turned out that the Champions Tour event, which I think is some sort of furicate and giggle, it's, is it literally yeah. called Furicate and Friends? Yeah. Yeah, both the Champions Tour and the final round of the Shriners Children's Classic we're both on Golf Channel, and the the Champion Store outdrew the PGA Tour last year. So I'm not sure we can. Maybe I don't know. Maybe the Champions Tour is subsidizing the PGA Tour. Maybe Tom Kim and Max Homa and Tom Hoagie owe a debt of gratitude to Steve Flesh and Jim Furyk. You know, I'm not. No, I. I uh, no, Doug, <laughs> come on. You're come on. Seriously, no way. No, I, that's I want seriously. nothing more it's than. Not, it's not being serious. <laughs> I don't want any, like, I, anytime I find the Champions Tour on TV, I'm just, uh, honestly, I'm disappointed. Like, I don't care anymore. You know, these guys are so irrelevant in, in modern pro golf. It's just, Steve Flesh, your time has come and gone. Well, I, it's fine. I should... You did well enough. You know, I, you know, I, welcome to my haters and losers club. 
you know what? It's a, it's a fair point. And I want to say, I was going to say some people do care about the Champions Tour because, as I said, it outdrew the PGA Tour last year, 200 and some odd thousand viewers on average on the Golf Channel. But I should point out the winner of that event last year is no longer playing for the Champions Tour. He's otherwise occupied. He was in Bangkok this year. Uh, and he, I think he had his best finish, as we discussed earlier. Phil Mickelson was the winner of the Furick and Friends hit and giggle last year. And so if you want to know why more people tuned into that than the PGA Tour, if you want to know why if Tiger Woods got in a golf cart and played in the very next Champions Tour event, it would do multiples of viewers of the PGA Tour, that's your answer. No one cares about those guys. It's and, and no one cares about those guys. There are a few guys that people care about. There are a few guys that move the needle. Steve Flesh ain't one of them. No. Phil Mickelson is one. Tiger Woods is one. Rory, Rom, Spieth. The rest of these guys. Sorry, Max Homa. You ain't it. So who's your so who's your uh, your hater and loser then? Yeah. Right? So uh, thanks for asking, Jay Score. Long overdue hater and loser for me i had to check i had to go deep into the records i mean i had to go we we have a we have a library here at live laugh golf i had to go in there i had to see i because i was i would have thought that i picked him before but it turns out i haven't yet amon lynch who we've mentioned a few times on the podcast is this week's hater and loser amon i feel like before i discuss why this week as opposed to all all the many other weeks where he's been a hater and loser. He's been chosen this week. A little bit about Amon. Amon, he works for, I get, he does some stuff for the Golf Channel. You may have seen him. He does some morning drive show. He's a little leprechaun looking. Uh, he's got a you know t- tiny little red-faced man, white hair, stammering Irish accent. He's on the Golf Channel, but he really made his bones, I guess, at, the paragon of journalistic excellence that is USA Today. USA Today, for those of you who don't know, it used to be a newspaper. I don't know if they still publish the newspaper. I remember when it was born, I think it was in the 1980s, its claim to fame was that it was in color when all the other papers were in black and white. USA Today essentially is, it's like, it's what Keeping up with the Kardashians is to cinema verite. That's what USA Today is to journalism. It's a rag. It's garbage. It's trash. Amon, he fancies himself a journalist and a, and a social justice voice. He got this idea because I guess when he came to the United States, he started his career by being an assistant, a bag man, a, you know, a lackey for Gore Vidal, who was... I hope all of you guys have seen Best of Enemies, which is about the public debates between William F. Buckley and Gore Vidal. Public intellectual, what it meant in the 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s was you were from a family that had some money and you had no direction or ambition. So you, essays. He was an essayist. He, I guess he also wrote some novels. They were garbage. Nobody liked them. But Amon was his supplicant for a while. And I guess Amon really looked up to his mentor because he's emulated his career in many ways. One of the things that was said about Gore Vidal when he died, this was written in The Guardian, was that Vidal's critics disparaged his tendency to formulate an aphorism rather than to argue, finding in his work an underlying note of contempt for those who did not agree with him. It's very much what 
Amon Lynch has attempted to emulate. However, Amon wanted to become a popular public intellectual. He didn't. He's not a golfer. He ended up writing about golf for USA Today and occasionally getting on TV with Brandel Shambly and doing a little odd couple thing. So he's a clown. The reason he's the hater and loser this week is because of a piece that he also wrote about Bryson DeChambeau. And let's remember, Bryson DeChambeau is nearly 30 years Amon's junior and vastly more accomplished. Bryson is a major championship winner. He's a multimillionaire. Amon Lynch, again, was Gore Vidal's bag boy. USAM winner, NCAA winner. Yes. Amon Lynch was Gore Vidal's bag boy. He later wrote briefly for one of the New York tabloid rags. I think it was the New York Daily News before moving to USA Today and the Gannett Corporation. Amon Lynch is a joker. But he wrote 900 and some odd words disparaging Bryson DeChambeau pithy remarks, aphorisms, uh, and, and insults. But the key, and what I want to talk about, what I want this to get to, not just what a clown, because I think most of our listeners know what a clown Amon Lynch is. I want to talk about the OWGR. The money quote, about 850 words in to this 950-word piece by Amon Lynch, is the OWGR review process for awarding a tour ranking points after it complies with the aforementioned qualification rules, takes up to two years. That's it. That's the whole quote. So here's the issue with the OWGR that people just can't seem to get through their heads. I heard more of it on a podcast I listened to today. The requirements, that requirement that I just read to you, the year to two-year wait, guarantees that it's not possible for a competitor to the PGA Tour to emerge. So I want to give you, I just want you to listen to this hypothetical. Imagine that the top 75 players in the FedEx Cup standings were all unhappy with the PGA Tour. They want to go. And the spirit of Mother Teresa or Mackenzie Bezos or whomever you think is the embodiment of all that's good and righteous in the world says, hey, I've got an idea. I want to pay you guys fairly. I've secured funding that'll be better than the PGA Tour. You'll have higher prizes. We're going to play 72 whole events. They're all going to have cuts. We're going to play them on courses that have been blessed by the holy water that is Tiger Woods' urine. They'll all have cuts, and 50% of each week's field will be up for grabs at Monday qualifying. And those Monday Q guys, they're going to have new balls on the range. We're going to be nice to their caddies. All that good stuff. And finally, every one of these events is going to be on TV. I've made it happen. It's going to be on TV, no commercial interruptions. It's the perfect league, right? There's no sports washing. Players are happy. The fans are happy. But it could never happen. Because the cartel that's run by the PGA Tour won't let points be awarded until a year or two down the line. So other than the major winners who already have exemptions, every player will drop down the rankings and they won't be able to play in the majors, so they won't go. That's why it's a problem. That's why those regulars are nakedly anti-competitive. They don't allow a competitor to exist without you know, just emptying the oil reserves like the investment fund has done. Does that make sense? Because I feel like nobody's getting it. I mean, I mean, isn't that obvious? 
I see it that way, but I'm I'm impressed by the sheer quantity of OWGR pr- ranking process experts that have emerged on Twitter. Um, that fascinates me how everybody seems to be an expert on the process. But the idea that something that is so mathematically straightforward and simple on paper, which I'm also told as far as qualifications and process go, which I continue to scour for the details. I can see how like the allocation of points in a table that they publish. But beyond that, the definitions and process are pretty circular. Jay score somebody on clearly one of the guys, one of the podcast guys and somebody else that I listened to uh, that I read on Twitter was making jokes about the fact that they were watching the very same Steve flesh champions tour event yesterday and it was 54 hold no cut and ha 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 should these guys get ranking points and you know what my response to that was yeah they freaking should get ranking points you know who gives them points you know who's able to identify where they stand in the pecking order of world golfers data golf can do it you know who else can do it the owgr the very same statistics that they're using they can easily use to let the Champions Tour and live in. And the Champions Tour, th- those guys aren't going to rise up the rankings. They're not going to be number 10. Bernard Langer is not going to become a top 10 player. They'll get tiny, tiny, tiny amounts of points. It's just a formula. It's crossover math. It's easily done. Yeah. Yeah. And does the cartel need help figuring out a new scheme here? Because I've got one for you. All you need to do is require them to lease from you special equipment to measure golf shots at these events and you lease them the equipment and then you run the algorithm outside of it. And so you just fleece them for but you don't you don't even you don't even need that J score. It's all really simple. Data golf has it down, and you know who else has it down? The OWGR has it down. That's how they came up with this brand new strokes gained world ranking that they're using now to determine field strength ratings. It's all about, well, this guy played in this tour and he also played in that tour against that guy who played in that tour. It's like transitive property math to the nth degree. And that's how the OWGR is already doing it. There's not, there's no. Yeah. We talked about in an earlier episode too, about how the lack of playing causes you to plummet in the rankings pretty quickly like you hang on for a little bit but as time marches on you disappear rapidly yeah. playing so or or not kind of being rated that the- and that's the thing they're like well those are yeah. the rules you knew them going in that those are the rules and that's the whole point is yeah, they're trying to those challenge the those rules. rules they're trying to say that's not how, how it's how supposed cle- to be people that's the whole crux of the situation are like, we that so we strange. created rules that totally prevents any competitor from ever entering the market but it's a free market anybody can come no, here as long as you have unlimited money and you know it's battle. The, you, you can it. listen you can you can listen to six lawyers on your podcast explain to you conspiracies in restraint of trade and explain to you what anti-competitive conduct is. But still, you want to say, well, you know what? That's just a group of organizations getting together and deciding how things are done. Yeah, It's called a cartel. That's, that's the very thing. Absolutely. And the thing that just bugs me to death is the OWGR means nothing. It means nothing. Not a thing. Like, Nobody can say with a straight face that Cam Smith has ceased to be a good golfer or would cease being the second best golfer in the world in four months merely because he doesn't show up on the plantation as many times 
as his master asks him to. And that's what this is about. You have to play a certain number of tournaments for the executives at the PGA Tour who are incentivized to create as many playing opportunities as possible. The incentives don't match. The rules are created. The bureaucracy exists to protect itself. All of it is baloney. And I don't want to talk about the, let's say, the visual assessment that you can make about who's a good player. Why not? not. Why don't we have a committee? But it's ridiculous. Why don't we we have a committee like college football does? But it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous that participation in a certain number of tournaments has some kind of bearing on your ability. The, The deafness with which this has been sold as the thing just cracks me up. Like, it makes no sense to me if I had the U.S. Open that I wouldn't want DJ there next year, Cam Smith, uh, Phil, that I wouldn't want Bryson, I wouldn't want, you know, I mean, Brooks is there as a former champion, but all of these folks, like, I want Neiman. I want Neiman to of be there. You do. And, he, and he, this whole this whole argument about OWGR comes really down to five guys right now because it's people with either stale major victories or questionable status. It's yeah. Answer, it's Neiman, it's Gooch, it's Leishman, it's Reed. Those are those five guys are what it's about. Now, is that too small a thing? Well, the machinery well, of the incumbent would tell you those are the those are the five guys that are kind of clear. But then there are a bunch of people who are like, "I'm Lopez Shakara, and I'm really good, and I'm kicking some people's butts." And yeah, my past play because I was in college wouldn't qualify me, but I want you to pay attention to what I'm doing here. I just beat a whole bunch of the best players in the world at a golf tournament for $4 million. (laughs) Like that was a big deal and it should be recognized as such. Yeah. With, with accessibility of technology today, there's no reason there couldn't be a singular ranking system regardless of tour or gender or amateur or professional status, like you could have a consolidated ranking system with filters applied for what you know yeah, criteria yeah. you and, hit and or we, whatever. And, and it could be sure. used for and any we number do of have things. Those. And again, data golf includes both live and the champions tour, but the guys, the, the podcast elite will tell you that these guys, the OWGR isn't doing anything to live. They, they have nothing to say about live. They're just saying, hey, if you want to be in our club, you have to do it our way. Our club controls the market for golf. It's bad for the consumer. It's bad for the fan. It's bad for everyone. And that's why we have laws about it. It's not a good thing that we just, well, you just have to follow the year, the rules. You just have to wait two years. Well, yeah, that does mean you can't ever possibly create a competing league, but those are the rules. Maybe just do something else. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I No, burn down the Wagger and burn down the OWGR. I'm all in favor of that. That's it. I, you know, I, I don't know if that was enough about Amon, but like, you know, he shat all over Bryson. Bryson has had far more success in his young life than Amon Lynch ever will. Congratulations to Amon for getting USA Today to allow him to write the same recycled tripe over and over again for the last year at least. I mean, he could have been our hater and loser any single one of these weeks. I'm sure you guys are going to pick him in the future. He stinks. Just, just the worst. Seems like a likely repeat. Back. Absolute worst. All right, we're we're done. I, you got me fired up. I'm pissed off. Let's go on to the future. 
Oh, we got better things in the future. Let's do uh, Live Jetta last. There are other tours playing. We got, uh, you know, the PGA Tour. We touched on this very briefly. The PGA Tour is starting in Asia. They're going to Japan. They're playing two straight weeks of 78-man no-cut tournaments. They're invitationals. We start with the Zozo in Japan. It's in conjunction with the Japan Golf Tour, but it's not an official event for the Japan Golf Tour. There are going to be 15 members of the Japan Golf Tour that I guess that's what, you know, we talked about this last week. The Japan Golf Tour got browbeaten into staying in line with the PGA Tour and saying that live guys couldn't play on their tour anymore. Yeah, I'm glad it, I'm glad it's going back. I, you know, that's good to see. I m- would much rather see a tournament over in Japan than hosted here locally. Yeah, so, you know... So. Locally being the guys that'll be there. Sung Jay's going to be there. Tom Kim's going to be there. Hideki, of course, will be there. Xander, everyone's favorite player, Keegan Bradley, Colin Morikawa, Mito will be there. I'd love to see Mito just cashing as many checks as he can before he comes over to live. Tom Hoagie, Tom Hoagie may be, I'm not sure, Tom Hoagie may be the first North Dakotan ever to visit Asia. Um, I, 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 I'd have to check that. I'm going to, I assume it's quite wrong. Um, but God, I, I'm curious to see how he'll do. I, you know, I'm used to see him in, in his, uh, Southwest swing doing well. So it'll be interesting to see how Hoagie does, uh, it's over a there. 78. He's going to do great. It's 78 men, no cut cash grab, 15 guys from the Japan door. I mean, He's one of the 25 best players in the world right now. And if you want to confirm that, Jay Score, you want to hop out the door, go around the corner of the VFW, you can hear all the stories you need to. You might not be able to repeat them all on the podcast because this is a family show, but I guarantee. Uh, but yeah, they got Hobie at 11th service, in the power rankings. 11th for Hobie in the power how, rankings. Who's they? Rankings. So, so those are the PGA yeah. Tour's own power rankings? The tour themselves, yeah. of course. Of course, yeah. Mike McAllister, who is the editorial director over there at Live Golf, and I know he listens to us. Thanks for listening, Mike. Somebody was giving Mike a hard time about why would a legitimate tour need a an editorial director? Like, what do you what do you think Mike did before he went to Live? He, you think the PGA Tour doesn't have guys doing the same stuff? They write their stuff. Apparently, you're reading the power rankings from the PGA Tour. One of yes, uh, Rob Rob Bolton, PGATour.com scribe uh, has got his his top fifteen heading into the Zozo. Well, okay, well, good. I mean, we're all huge. To- I get. Tom, I feel bad because Tom Hoagie may feel like I'm making fun of him. I, you know, you're a you're a state hero, North Dakota. J score looks up to you. We'd Absolutely. be happy to have you on the Tom Hoagie, Amy Olson. We follow him. Yeah, follow happy him to everywhere. have you on the pod. I'll even recuse myself, unlike Keith Pelly and Jay Monahan, when they're considering Liv's OWGR application. I'll do the right thing and step away if you don't want me to be here. We'll let J score and OT Lefty interview you. All right. Well, so that yeah, good luck, <laughs> fellas, in Japan this week. In Live Golf, we're headed to. King Abdullah Economic City outside of Jeddah, Saudi Arabia this week. It's a, the, the fellas have all gotten, I saw some Instagram and Twitter information. Many of the teams have gotten on their private jets. They just left Bangkok today or yesterday. They're headed to Jeddah. I want to talk about Live Jeddah. We're going to make our picks. Who do you like, J-Score? 
I mean, it feels like taking Dustin Johnson would be cheating. I believe he's won at this golf course twice, and I'm not a giant four aces stand. It it feels it feels silly to pick him. I'm on a hot streak. I got a couple wins here now, and I'm not. So I'm not gonna take. I'm not gonna take DJ. DJ. Um, I'm gonna go back to the well with my guy Bryson. He's playing very consistent, very solid, and again, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna doubt him. So I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat my pick, and I'm gonna take Bryson. All right. Going for the back-to-back win. I'm I'm not going to ride Gooch again. I I mean I wanted to. It's Patrick Reed's time. I'm Pat Reed. Coming off a second, you're taking P Reed. Let me ask yeah, you. Yeah, risky move. I, it's crazy. You guys are so frequently picking members of my team. I mean, it's it's sad. It's embarrassing. I feel bad for you that you're not you're not siding with one of the players on the team that you've pledged your allegiance to. Take it. Bryson twice. I know you're doing okay. It's you know, but you took bright. You, I mean, you, you have taken, uh, you, you've done it. And JT, I'm disappointed. I don't even know who your team is at this point. I think I took DJ. This is the only thing in the world that I'm unscrupulous at (laughs) picking winners. I gotta have them. Can I take DJ or is it, is it beyond the pale? I mean, is it too easy? I mean, he's clinched. Maybe he has nothing to play for. Maybe this is... Well, some are saying... Yeah, some are saying he might just check out now or something. Like, he's got the individual thing locked up. Okay, fine. I'm taking DJ. But, of course, look out for Harold Varner III, (laughs) who won the Saudi event, yeah, six months ago. It's not the defending champion. It's a different event. They'll be back there. But uh, Harold Varner III did play (laughs) on this course. I expect he'll do well here. But I'll take DJ. I I want little quick litigation stuff. Since the last podcast episode, the parties are asking the magistrate judge to uh, resolve a discovery dispute. It's about interrogatories. We've talked about that a little bit in the past. Interrogatories are written questions. And one of the questions that Live Golf has put forward to the PGA Tour is to identify all people who have had communications with various other entities, including representatives of the majors and the OWGR. And, you know, there's a dispute. The PGA Tour is saying, ah, that's too hard. It's too difficult. We have 1,100 employees. You're asking us to interview every one of them. So they're in a little bit of a spat, and they're going to have the magistrate judge decide it. That'll probably happen in the next week or two. The other thing is, and this has not been reported in the media, and depending on whether we get this podcast published tonight or tomorrow, it may not be. There's some action with Larry Clayman. Clayman, there's some stuff going on tomorrow morning in Palm Beach, Florida. What's P. Reed up to? Yeah, well, it's not P. Reed. So one of the things that that the media hasn't reported on much because it's a totally absurd claim, but the first of any lawsuits filed about this whole brouhaha was by Larry Clayman himself on his own behalf in state court in Florida, he filed an antitrust lawsuit as a consumer. He claims that he bought tickets to a PGA Tour event, and you know the, the guys that he wants to see weren't there because of these illegal policies. It's it's <laughs> it's an absurd lawsuit, as you would expect lawsuits yes. from Larry Clayman to be, especially ones in which he's representing himself pro se. But the PGA Tour has appeared in this lawsuit, and there is a hearing tomorrow morning at 8.45 in Palm Beach, Florida, that I will be attending by Zoom. Uh, and they're going to 
Larry Klayman has filed a motion for sanctions against the PGA Tour for not responding. This is the case in which he he wants to depose Jay Monahan and he wants to depose, I think, Tiger Woods. He wants to get everyone in there. So we're going to see what the judge has to say about this tomorrow morning. Could be lively. Nobody knows about it. LLG's covering it. We'll get the recap. Nobody else will be there, but I'll be there. I've got the alarm set. It's 5.45 in the a.m. West Coast time. I'm getting up early for you guys. Oh, the things we do for love, baby. I love that. Our our own uh, our own attorney joining another Zoom call, crack of dawn to to honestly to see Larry Clayman <laughs> speak great. is I I don't know if I should be proud or concerned. Maybe a little bit concerned, but I I'm looking forward to the debrief. I'm looking forward to the full debrief uh, the next time it's we record. Good. All right. Anything else, boys? I think we're good. Yeah, I don't think I have anything this left. This is by far our longest podcast. For the folks at home, before editing, we're at one hour, 40 minutes, and 39 seconds and counting. We'll see God what this turns out to be. <laughs> all right, I'm done. <laughs> see ya. See you next week. Take care. No fighting. Shakira, Shakira. I never really knew that she could dance like this. She make a man want to speak Spanish. Como se llama? Shakira, Shakira. Oh, baby, when you talk like that, you make a woman go mad. So be one.